Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and today I'm excited to bring you an interview with uh, author, um, finance expert, Joe Solari. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks, Nathan. Great introdu- introduction. <laughs> yeah. Finance expert. You set the bar high. You know, that's, that's how I view you anyway. And, um, of course, I had the pleasure of, of meeting you in person this past year. We were both at the, the Selmore Book Show Summit up in Chicago, which is uh, close to your to your home, um, which is great. And, you know, we were able to chat a little bit up there, but also we've been able to connect since then. And uh, you have a really valuable topic that you're knowledgeable on, so I'm excited to get you on the show and talk about your business. Can you tell people a little bit about um, Indie Author Alchemy and what it is that you do with authors? Sure. It's it's kind of interesting. So um, my my experience with the indie author community first started out with my my wife wrote some books on her own, and I I recognized from her success what folks were doing with books, and um, and my background is is owning and operating businesses. So with the last business that I exited out of, I decided that I was going to write a book and I was going to do it independently, and I wrote a book called the um, Business Owner's Compendium, which I was certain was going to solve every small business owner's problems that they had. Um, And as you know from putting books out in the world, what you might think they're going to do and what they actually do are different, right? What did happen, though, was is a group of independent authors picked up my book and started reading it. And I started to get involved helping them focus their their business skills better. So there was some things in there in that book that was really kind of when you get to the point in your business where how do I put this? So uh, whenever you start a business, you usually do it because you love to do something, right? Mm-hmm. So um, then you, you you're successful at it and then you the business scales up and all of a sudden like you feel the joy getting sucked out because all this business stuff comes in. And I think there was a lot of authors that were seeing that where they were becoming successful and recognizing that their business was going to go to the next level. They would need to have some of these skills that I talked about. So I set up Indie Author Alchemy um, to help all the different tiers of authors because really there's how I look at it. There's authors that are just getting started that need certain basic skills and they don't need to know all the intricacies of setting up a business and all the things I talk about around taxes and LLCs and S-Corps, then when people get to a certain level with their business, then they should start looking at that stuff. And then we were fortunate that we work with a handful of authors that are all making over $200,000 a year where we actually do their whole back office. Um, So they're in a position, fortunately, to just say, listen, my best place is in front of that keyboard writing, you handle all my business stuff. And I work with a CPA named Lisa Gardina who does their books and then we we walk them through a financial model and financial planning process so that we execute their business plan over the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course when you're dealing with real numbers from, from you know authors who are doing well, you of course you know see the whole gamut of, of possibilities. And of course you know, I'm sure every author approaches their business a little bit differently. Um, so you're able to see different strategies of how they're they're running their business, but then also find find solutions um, that meet their needs, which I think is is pretty cool. Yeah, one of the big things that I think is different in my approach 
Um, because a lot of people come to me about the, you know, well, what kind of company should I set up and what's my taxes I should pay? And it's like, well, let's back off of that and explain to me what you're trying to do with your life. Right. Um, because when I understand your goals, not just as becoming a full-time author, but are you trying to put four kids through school? Are you trying to put one kid through school? Are your kids out of school? Uh, do you have a bunch of debt from trying to become a full-time author? All of those things um, inform me as to what we want to put in place so that your business is most efficient. Because um, you know, I have a thing I talk about, um, living large or large assets is a, is a great example. Um, if you wanted to live and travel the world out of your suitcase, we could do that at very expense-heavy business. And you could live kind of above your lifestyle in some respects because of the tax efficiency. Mm-hmm. But you come back and you say, hey, Joe, I want to buy a million-dollar house on the, on the beach. And it's like, well, we can't do that because you have a business that doesn't make any money. Well, it makes a lot of money. No, we, we expensed it all, right? Okay. Really, right, What if you said to me, I want to buy a house in two years, and it's like, okay, well, we want to structure your business in such a way where we're showing the income on a W-2 so that any loan officer can ap- approve you for the home you're trying to buy, right? Like those numbers are, are immutable. They're That's set by the government. So like we can know those and structure that whole thing. So in 18 months' time, you go in to buy that, go for that loan. Not only do you qualify, but you qualify for the best interest rates. Yeah. Maybe we can talk a little bit about um, a couple of the big transitions that most authors go through. So I think number one would be the transition from the hobby writer, the person who's just sort of writing for the fun, and all of a sudden they decide to get into this as a business or suddenly have the dawning realization that this already is a business, which happens frequently, I think. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the transition from the hobbyist to you know business writer, and then maybe we can get a little bit, we can get into the business writer transitioning into you know full-time author. Maybe we can kind of sure. see those different, yeah. different aspects. Let's start with no. the hobbyist, though. What are some things that you see hobbyists sort of doing wrong when they transition into business? What are some things they can get right? Yeah, so I think that um, a lot of uh, early-stage authors they um, can get themselves in a bit of paralysis because they think they have to have a whole bunch of things in place. So they're like, do I need, I'm going to be self-publishing, so I need to set up a company for a publishing imprint. They start asking all these questions. They start doing all this analysis. Well, um, my approach is, in the beginning, your, um, your, your business is just like any other business. You have a finite amount of working capital. This is something I talk about a lot. So what, whatever that working capital is, and I know for a lot of the early stage authors that I talk to, $1,000 is a lot of money, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to go spend half of that to go set up a company doesn't make a lot of sense when that working capital really should go into an awesome book cover and editing, Right. Because we need to get a product out in the marketplace and understand, is there an audience, right? Because the, the business is all predicated on that there are readers that are going to read your, your writing and they're going to pay you money for it. Um, so the sooner we can figure that out and the sooner you can see where you need to adjust because, you know, anybody that's written, they, they, they get feedback and they, they learn. They become better writers over time. 
So I think that's the big thing is don't get hung up on setting up a business because there's really not that much in taxes you would save. Right. And the the legal liabilities that as a you have as an author and operating as an author are very low unless you're writing some really freaky stuff, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which there are people out there I know that do that, but most of us that's not the case, right? So yeah. the the real the real big thing is is that that understanding that working capital at the most basic level in a book launch. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's to build the foundation first, basically, before you start you know, <coughs> trying to build an empire. You know, make sure your your basic product works. You know, make sure you're you've got your market research down. You're actually you know feeding the right product to the right markets, and then we've got some. Okay, we've got some steady. We've de- we've decided that we've got a book series that has legs. Okay, yep. we're we're starting to get into the hang of this you know book writing thing, and we can produce more of them. So we mm-hmm. now have a steady, you know, maybe low but steady income. And then we want to maybe slowly transition this income up. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about like what are some things authors should definitely be doing as far as like how they're reinvesting this, this capital. Okay, now we've got mm-hmm. an income. How are we reinvesting? And then what's that transition like to, to the, get to the point where, <coughs> okay, I feel, I feel like I want to do this full time. Well, one of the things I talk about a, a lot is what I call a launch trough. So it's the concept of the, 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 the cash flow gap between the money that you have to put out and when you start to see money coming back in. So on all the platforms, you're talking at least a 60-day gap. Of, you know, My book is launched this month. I have $100 in sales. I do not see $100 in cash on that for another 60 days. Now, if the case is that I am investing appropriately for book covers and editing, that money's all up front. So when you think about, well, I'm, I'm a sci-fi writer and I want to write a series – Going in with a plan that your first book is going to pay for book two and book three is a plan to fail, right? Yeah. Because what you've done is you've, even if you can write as fast as you think you can write, if you don't have that working capital, you, you can't put the product out in the market the way that you said you are. And in the, in the cases of like a, you know, fantasy or sci-fi, people are, have an expectation of multiple books. So... That's probably the as you're as you're looking at this, it's like get that one book out there. Make sure you can find your market, and so you can pivot a little bit if you need to. But then maybe you need to reevaluate your plan and understand how much money it's going to take to actually get those next two books out. Because you know, I, I've seen people where they're like, "I'm going to write a book a month," and they probably can physically write a book a month, but they don't have the money to launch even three books. So they get themselves in this death spiral of depression because they just blow their goal. Their goal is 12 books a month. Well, when you do it on paper, it's like, well, maybe if you quit watching Netflix and you cut back on all this stuff and you saved up this this nest egg, you could have gotten three books out, but you didn't save the extra $2,000, so you were never going to get those books out. Yeah. So, like... And that, that, that's something that, you know, you could do on a post-it note, right? You don't have to have a big spreadsheet to figure this stuff yeah, out. Yeah, this is fairly basic math, and it's one of the things that sometimes as creatives, we, we shy away from the math side of the business, and that's a, it's an important part. We've got to make sure the numbers are adding up here. Um, let's say we have, okay, we've done our market research. We've got a 
a book series that sells. We've started to earn some money. Now we've gotten up to the point where, okay, this is a nice little side income I've got going on. And But now you're thinking, hey, maybe I want to take this leap to make this a full-time gig. But now all of a sudden we have other factors because not only am I having to replace my job's income, but I'm having to replace a retirement plan and um, mm. a lot of other things that are that are you know different factors when you start to have your own business, obviously. So maybe we can talk a little about uh, some of the pitfalls there and some of the things sure, you're thinking about. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always owned my own businesses. I, uh, and I'm completely comfortable with the risks that you take. I know you, you're the same, you're multiple, you're serial entrepreneur. Um, what, what, once you kind of get that bug, it's hard to get rid of it, right? And, um, yeah, it's hard to dream of going back to the nine to five once you've been your own boss for a while. Yeah. Um, but you can do it better than most people do it because, you know, the reality is most people that start their own business is because they have to. It's they, they Most of the time it's because they've lost a job, right? So there isn't a lot of planning that's gone into their execution. But I've seen several authors do a really good job at thinking through that transition from full-time or from, you know, full-time job to full-time writing. And so um, if you have the time to think it through um, – you know, the biggest thing is understanding your family budget, what that monthly nut is that you need to, to pay, right? And to get that down as low as possible. Um, this is where um, it may help to set up a company. Um, one of the things I've talked to some authors about is, is if you do have a 401k at your existing job, um, you set up your new business, you set up your own 401k for that business, you can then, when you quit, transfer, roll that money over into the 401k, and then borrow, uh, I believe it's 10% or up to $50,000, whichever the lower amount is, from the 401k. So the whole idea being, if you do a little bit of forward thinking and planning, you can say, okay, well, I've got this money in my 401k, these are my, month, my monthly numbers, I think I need a little extra cash, just to kind of get through this, I can borrow that money essentially from myself. This isn't this isn't taking a um, distribution. This is taking a loan, so you have to pay it back. But the great thing is you're paying yourself back at a low interest rate, so you're actually probably contributing even more to your retirement than you would. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be a good person to pay it back to. Like you're. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, how much money do you would you anticipate? Or let's say let's put it in time interval. Like, say I have I figured out my monthly budget for my family, and I want to make this leap. Like, how many? What's your recommendation? Is like, okay, how many months of nest egg do I want to have sort of socked away when I make this leap? For example, do you have any rec- advice on that? Um, well, you you know for a fact that you have a a sixty day window that you have to deal with with all these platforms from anything you sell turning into cash. Yeah. Right. So if you if if you're like looking at your KDP account and you're seeing you're starting to have these ten thousand dollar months, don't go and tell the boss you're leaving that day, right? Like you want to start getting that money to build up. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing for most people is understanding what their cost of living really is, and and what it means to cut down. Now here's the sad thing: if once you become a full time writer. You probably don't need all the stuff you need because you're so busy writing. You're not you're not on your Xbox all the time. You're not you don't have the free time you think you have, right? 
And I so, think that I think that as a as your own boss, you become you work so much harder. And that's something oh. that we should talk about too. Is that you know this mental shift from becoming being an employee to being the boss and being also while also being the employee. And that's something we can kind of talk about that mental transition that you have to make. Sure. Well, it's something I talk about. Um, you, it's really schizophrenic, right? Because mm-hmm. you have you're not you're the creator. Um, a lot of authors are pretty comfortable with like, well, I'm the writer. I got to be the marketer, advertiser. They have to be the CEO, but they forget they're the chief investor. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, that's true. Right? It's like so. If you know you you had a successful writing business and you and you said, hey Joe, I would like you to invest a um, hundred thousand dollars in my book. You know, my series is about time travel. And I'm running a private equity firm that does that. My my expectations for the return on that capital would probably insult you, right? Yeah. But that's because that my job is to make that money grow into more money, mm-hmm. right? But you should think the same way when it's your money, right? Like if it's not doing at least as good as the S&P 500, right, then... Your business is inefficient. It's it's not as it's, you just leave that money in the market. Yeah. Or or even worse, where people are funding their business with credit cards. Mm, yeah. Right now, the your your cost of capital is whatever your APR rate is. Is that nineteen percent, thirty two? You know. Yeah, it depends on your credit, I guess. And yeah. Yeah, it can so, get very expensive very quickly. So that's you know. There's, there's kind of two pieces to that is like you as the investor having the expectations to make it clear to that other part of your head, the CEO, what your expectations are on the return, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because until you get that clear, it's hard for you to be a good CEO and understand what your responsibilities are for delivering results. Yeah. Right? Because again, um, you part of the results you're trying to deliver is not just great books to your audience. It's a, a profit that can sustain this life. Yeah. And we've, we've just talked about this, that the average, you know, small business doesn't, you know, you say it's something like a 50, 50 chance of it being in existence in five years. Is that right? Yeah. So there's, um, it's actually a study that's done by the U S census bureau. Um, you see the numbers a lot in the small business, um, association site. But they've been tracking for over a hundred years businesses across all types of businesses, what year they started, um, up and down cycles. And you know your first three years you're in, in double digits for going out of business. And then it starts to taper off. But the windup is is that you've got about a 50/50 shot of being in business in five years. right? And I, I bring this up um, because, as the CEO of your business, if you think you're special and that's not is not your reality, then you're a lousy CEO, mm-hmm. right? You're not facing the facts of what it is to operate a business. Now it gets even simpler because we can go back and talk about well, why is it that what's the number one reason why most businesses fail? Well, they run out of money, right? So if you know the number one reason. And we and you start we go back to what we we're talking about. Even as an early author, is you're thinking about how you're planning those launches, that there's the capital that it's so it's successful. 
Mm-hmm. Those are the building blocks of your business. Yeah, that's what builds the foundation. There's a lot of pieces of this puzzle. Obviously, that, I mean, the more you every every time you you launch a book, you are taking the risk that a publisher takes. By being authors, we're not only being you know the creative, but we are also the publisher, marketer, we're the entrepreneur, of course. And the publisher's job is to sort of take calculated risks, not just write anything, you know, put out anything that anyone feels like producing. You do have to do your market research. There's um, obviously you have to do quality editing and quality, you know, like so. I think that one of the challenges we have as authors is making that lift, that shift to publisher, and also risk management when it comes to can I keep my business running if I continue to produce this type of product. Um, I think that's, I know for me, that's, I, I love to just write what I love, which, you know, is, is wonderful. And fortunately, mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate that people have uh, liked what I also, what I, what I love and then buy it. But, you know, every time I put out a new book, I, I always have this nagging doubt in the back of my mind, like, what if no one buys this thing? You know, and it's, uh, if I've spent a year doing it, you know, that's, it can be, it could be a, it could be a rough year. So, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, it's hard, right? Because what you're selling is a little piece of your soul, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's always that. Um, part where you're you're going out to the public and they're going to be able to comment on that. Um, and, I, and it's interesting you brought up. I haven't really thought about it. Whereas like some publishers, how they diversify risk is they go across genres, right? So like um, it's almost like portfolio management. I'm not going to try and pick winners. I'm going to just use kind of a shotgun approach and have the creams come to the top. We're not in that position, right? Yeah, not very many of us. Unless you're on the you know, the Michael Andley boat or something like that, where you're putting out a book every month, you can maybe shotgun a little bit and kind of. But for most of us, you know, we can we're sinking all of our efforts and all of our risk into one book at a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need them all. Well, we need them all to succeed. Well, and I I work with authors that are doing publishing of other authors, and 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 I know authors that have co-written, and I can give. They're anecdotal, but I can give instances where two very popular writers combined together in a series, and it was a dud, hmm. right? I can I know of uh, authors that are publishing, acting like a publishing house, where you know they they have projects that die that they don't hmm. take off, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that. That that's a that's a tough one, um, but again, it's I think it's it, if you go back to those kind of first principles of like okay, how do I make sure that that my launches for this book are successful? It's like okay, when I'm setting out my timeline, do I have enough money to do what I need to do to to make a quality cover, get it edited properly, and do the marketing that I think is appropriate to launch the book? Yeah. Whatever that might be for you, because that's another thing. I know people that spend ten thousand dollars a month in advertising, and people that spend two hundred. Right. Yeah. It's it's you gotta take all advice and then apply it to your own particular circumstances and your own particular business. Um, yeah, which I think is important. Um, so one of the things I want to touch on is it's tax time. Uh, a lot of yes. us are thinking about this this sort of thing right now. We're thinking about our accounting and our finances. I just had my tax appointment uh, a couple of days ago. And of course, you know, a lot of LLCs and businesses are the stuff to do right now as we speak. So um, can you give some people a little bit of advice when it comes to taxes <coughs> and what are some things that we should be looking out for as small business owners, um, how we could maybe sort of try to keep some of our money? Sure, sure. 
So, um, yeah, first off, if you're an S corp, um, your return is due today. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm uh, there. yeah. So stop watching this and go get your return. <laughs> um, so, um, and the, the other thing that's interesting now is with the latest tax law changes, there are some pretty significant benefits for small business owners. I know there's a lot of confusion around some of this stuff and a lot of people and in the groups I've seen, there's a lot of mythology. Um, again, starting up with that higher level thinking of what are you trying to do with your life, right? Having a strategy to inform your tax preparer or your, somebody like me who would work with you on taxes, what we're trying to have happen. Are we trying to live large? Are we trying to buy that large asset? Are we trying to put kids through college? You know, because all of those things um, have different functionality within the tax code, right? And when you talk, when you step back and you think about the tax, there's 80,000 pages now of tax code. Yeah. Right? Um, it's a giant behavior modification system. It's designed to try to organize society to do certain things, yeah. right? The, the biggest example is is the biggest tax deferment that you can get is contributing to your own retirement. Yeah. Right? Um, right. And the reason that is win-win. Right. And well, and that's because like when they set up Social Security, the 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 scam was is that nobody at that time lived to be 65. So they weren't planning on giving away any of that money. And then lo and behold, medical miracles and people now live to be that old and they're sicker. So now we need even more money. Hmm. So they, they do the Olay and they change the system now so that like, well, there's social security, there's this safety net, but really you need to plan for your own retirement and we would rather you do it tax free. So just that one component at this time of year should be thought about like if you if you've had a windfall year and you're trying to limit your tax exposure you can do it through your retirement right you can put money mm-hmm. in a SEP IRA mm-hmm. the company can contribute right yep. or a 401k if you set one of those up yep. so and the amount you can tax defer is significant it's like $55,000 per person right yep. so so that that's one thing that we've always had and is still in play. Now let's talk about this particular year. There's a thing called the Qualified Business Income Deduction. Uh, it applies to sole proprietors, so you don't have to have a business set up at all. Okay, If you're just filling out a Schedule C on your 1040, uh, uh, 20% of the net profit um, can be tax-free mm-hmm. yeah which right? is yeah it's a big help it really helps yeah. reduce your your tax burden yeah <clears throat> that also works for llc's and s corps it just is not for c corps okay and C-corp- if you have multiple businesses for example like if you have an individual account and you've got your business account it works for both right works for both yeah. there's 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 it's a it's it's a lot more convoluted than i kind of said because there's caps so um, if you're a single person, your your gross income, if it goes above $157,000, they start to scale back the amount that you get. Um, if you own a lot of real estate, there are some rules around that. 
If you're married, I think it's $315,000. But for most authors that we're working with, when you figure, you know, their expenses of running their business, um, you, they can, they can get there pretty, pretty, pretty easily. And one of the things we talked about with that is, um, it's the first time where you've been able to get money out of the business tax free. And then if you use a mechanism like a Roth IRA, you could move $5,500 of that into that Roth IRA and have that grow tax-free for the rest of its life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what I'll be doing. I'm meeting with my financial planner on Wednesday, and that's exactly what's going to be happening for me. Right. So, so like, when you're talking about wealth creation, mm-hmm. to eliminate the government's hand in your pocket like that, that that's the power of compounding, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't even have to have all of that great returns on that money over time. Just the fact that the government never gets to take their effective tax rate out of that is super, super powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, and it is very, very important because, you know, no matter what age you are, it, you know, planning for your retirement, obviously, like you said, you, Social Security was meant to be a safety net, not an actual plan. That's not a strategy for a retirement. Um, so, you know, this, we really need to be taking this seriously. I know that, um, I know there's some, you know, financial planners out there who recommend, uh, you know, 15% of your, your profit should probably be going to uh, some sort of retirement plan. Uh, is that something that you recommend? Do you have any particular numbers that you kind of give authors as a ballpark? Like, hey, how much should I be investing in my retirement? Um, so my, my thing is for most authors, for most business owners is to get them started. Mm-hmm. So even 5%, right? Because there's, there's, they're so giving and they're so self-sacrificing that they're they're not doing that right. They're they're more worried about that money being in the business um, as working capital than they are getting it off the table and having it become a retirement fund. So my, my approach is with most folks is let's get them into their let's get five percent going into retirement, and then as the business scales up, we can start to ratchet that up. But even if it just stays at that five percent, some it, it's growing with the whole piece. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I just think because we're talking about um, the self-employed here, they always have this fallback, which is, well, I'll just keep working. Right. Which is not, which is not a good, it's a good <laughs> employer-employee relationship, right? No, it's not, no. You can't just demand that your employees work until forever if you're the CEO. So, right. Yeah. And, and, and think about it like, okay, well, maybe it's not that you're – you're like, well, I'm never going to save up all the money I need to retire. Yeah, but you can save up a significant chunk and have it grow mm-hmm. and then start taking distributions, mm-hmm. right? And it makes you so you don't have to work as hard, right? Like yeah. it's 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 a, a blending of that income that, yeah, you're still working. You probably were going to work anyhow, especially as a writer. It's something you can do for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that there's these other sources of income and – you know, using, you know, the retirement plan for, for your business is a way to diversify the business, right? Yeah. So you taking those profits that are going to be 100% tax deductible to the business, moving them into your uh, retirement fund. Now they're tax deferred growing to you in a traditional or like a SEP IRA. Um, they're now in the market and they're growing 
at the market rate. And, you know, you look at somebody like um, Warren Buffett, um, who, who's ch- shown time after time that, you know, you just put that kind of money into standard index funds and you, you'll do as good or better than most of these hedge fund guys. And that's something we always talk about as authors is trying to come up with diversified streams of income. Um, if you've got all your eggs in one basket, you know, and it's all coming from, you know, Amazon or whatever it is that you're getting, where you're getting your money from, it's, it's a little scary. So you want to have some other source of revenue. And of course, yeah, like you're saying, this retirement planning can be an extra uh, stream of income eventually for you. Um, it's just, it's just smart advice. Yeah. Well, and it's got that added benefit in that you, um, in the case, you know, unless it's a, you know, in a Roth, you pay the taxes now and then it's tax deferred Mm -hmm. or or it's tax free. But, you know, when you're doing a tax deferred um, investment like that, that tax shielding is really powerful because your capital is growing and growing and growing and you're not paying out any taxes until, you know, further down the road where... You know, one could argue that taxes will be more in the future than they'll be today, but yeah, it's very possible. um, But the but the compounding effect of you know the global economy is going to outstrip that tax growth, in my view. Yeah, likely uh, likely scenario. So um, we've managed to go through our, our half hour pretty quickly here. But um, for people who want to find more information about what it is that you do and maybe reach out and contact you, where's the best place for people to find uh, more information about this? Sure. So, um, you know, I've got a website called Indie Author Alchemy, all one word. Um, We've got um, a couple of courses that we do there throughout the year. One is called Sole Proprietor Simplified, which is, um, it's less than $100, and it was created by Lisa and myself, and it teaches you all the stuff you need to organize your sole proprietorship. Um, it helps you to organize your business in such a way so at this time of year, you can just drop those numbers right into your uh, different sections of your um, um, your Schedule C. Uh, the next level up is um, uh, our BizOps Boot Camp. That course is, I think it's around $500. These are all lifetime memberships. We always are updating stuff. Yeah. Um, and that one is to help you to actually set up your LLC. So when you're to that point, figure you're making around $11,000 a year from your books. Um, it's kind of my feel for when it's good to start up a business. Um, we actually show you, we have all 50 states mapped out how you go and set up an LLC and then get it elected to be treated as a, a subchapter as corporation. And then a whole bunch of, a lot of the content is then just organizing your business and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, it's nice to have a one-stop shop that guides you through this. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is we, you know, my understanding of the marketplace is while we have, you know, we have these other clients that pay us um, to actually run their whole business the majority of people aren't there. Right. They, they'll get there eventually, but um, they're going to have to do some of this stuff on their own. And even so, um, knowing how to do this helps you be a better business person. Like understanding how you set up an LLC um, is, is important for understanding why the benefits of, of doing it is. And mm-hmm. yeah, you can have some lawyer whip it up for you. Um, but 
this will get you the, the skill set and the understanding how to do it. And we're, we're, we, we hold your hand through the whole process. I mean, you can ask around. People have been really happy with um, Yeah, I've read some of the reviews, and they were, they were glowing. So that's why yeah. I'm like, you know, happy to have you on the show and be able to you know, um, talk about what you do because I think it's a, it's a valuable service. And like I said, like people that watch this show, people that are listening to podcasts like this are people who are trying to get better at every aspect of their author business. And yeah. this is such an important part. And then the other thing is um, if you go on my website, I have a spot where you can sign up, just like schedule a half hour of time with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that is at, I've got limited slots that I have that, but you're, anybody can do that. And I give you a half hour of time. We'll talk about where you are with your business, what you're trying to do, whether it's tax questions or if it's something to do with, um, setting up an LLC, I'm more than happy to just give you that time and, and help you to understand because I know a lot of times for folks, it's just kind of talking through their specific situation mm-hmm. to help them just feel comfortable that what they're here is right. Yeah, and it's important, of course, to identify your goals, things like that, like you were talking yeah. about. And sometimes having the, the right person ask the right questions makes a world of difference. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, thank you, Joe. This has been fantastic. Like I said, I really appreciate um, you being here and taking the time out of your, your busy day to come chat with us. No, it's been awesome. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Do we have any questions? or um, We don't have any popping up. Um, we had uh, someone mention that they need, they need your book. So um, what was the name <laughs> of your book that you uh, – uh, the, the Business Owner's Compendium. Okay. Business um, Compendium. Yeah, and it's on all the platforms. It's wide. Um, and it's more kind of general – business, um, organization, there, there's a lot of stuff that would apply to other businesses than, than the author business. Mm-hmm. Whereas indie author alchemy is very focused on, on, on self publishing all the information there. We're really talking about how authors have to deal with their businesses and the things like, for example, um, Lisa, the CPA that, um, I work with, um, it's taken her time to understand this, but she's probably an, an expert now in something like dealing with reconciling PayPal. Okay, yeah. Right? Which yeah. you go to most accountants and they'd be like, why are you using this stupid PayPal thing? It's This is a pain in the ass. It's too hard. It doesn't... It's like, well, because it's the, it's the most efficient way to work with contractors Yeah. and there's all these other benefits to it. Yeah. And so suck it up, buttercup. You have to learn how to reconcile it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, nice to have someone who's on your side who says, "I understand how many author businesses work, and this is how we're functioning." And you no, know, someone who knows knows how to get in the weeds with that is, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. All right, so everyone who's watching, yeah, if you do have questions later, if you're watching the replay, as I know a lot of people watch the replay, a lot of people are listening to the podcast these days. So if you do have questions for Joe, um, feel free to leave comments uh, on the video. I'll um, always have a link to the the video, the Facebook episode at, at, in the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, and, and check out IndieAuthorAlchemy.com and uh, say hello to Joe and, and you can ask your questions and maybe schedule a meeting with him. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. And thank you, Joe. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And we'll be back again next week with another great episode. So, All right. Thanks, Nathan.